Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, welcome to Cashflow Legends, where we teach you or hope to encourage you how to keep more of what you earn so you can earn more of what you keep. Guys, today we're talking about a mindset around money, our mindset around money. I'm really excited about the the topics today that I'm going to pull out of you with some questions because it's intertwined with every conversation you and I and we all have almost daily. So there is a thought that we use often from the book called Leap by Robert Castillon that says money is not math and math is not money. And I said that on Twitter to one of our favorite air quote characters a month ago and he became enraged. And I mean enraged. Said some not nice things about me. Basically insulted my intelligence all over a simple statement. But here's what I then knew because we've been doing this long enough. If something like that statement strikes a nerve that impacts somebody that much, there must be something to it that's worth unearthing. So you guys, I want to I want you to really start by telling me when you hear the words money mindset or mindset shapes how you think about your financial destiny. What are some things that jump to mind immediately in your day in day out conversations or something maybe you discussed recent recently with uh, with somebody you've been working with? For me, I think uh, I would go with the first thought is, are you somebody who thinks that if you get a bigger pie slice, everybody else gets a smaller one or can we just make a bigger pie? Um, other ones are, do you believe that it takes money to make money or value creation? What is your thought process around relationship capital and mental capital? Um, those are the first thoughts that come to my mind when I think about mindset around money. All right. I think it's, it really boils down to, um, is there, you know, kind of what you were talking about you know, as far as the buy goes, is there really going to be enough for me? Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of a, a survivalist mentality sometimes whenever you slip into scarcity because it's all about just holding to what you have and trying to, in some cases, take from other people because you feel like there's not enough for you. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you could, you could look at like from a, a criminal mindset and I'm sure that's a lot of their thought process is, Hey, if I don't take this from them, then I'm never going to get it from myself. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a big part of it is just believing that they're, you know, if if I get a slice, then then somebody else or, or somebody else gets a slice, then I don't get a slice. So what we're really talking about here is no, we're not really talking about numbers on a page. We're talking about psychology and mindset. And I think one of the greatest uh, magician acts that the big three have done on the United States is they've made us believe that 
money is always related to numbers and math and rate of return. And we, it completely gets us in this mindset that there's no emotional thought process we need to understand about how we view money. Yet every day, you guys can attest to this, we have conversations that when you really begin to drill down into why someone feels a certain way about their life, their goals, their purpose, why they know they're going to accomplish them or they're not sure how to or they figure out how they can, it really transcends back into where their financial beliefs started. And Brock, you alluded to a few sayings, okay? You know, uh, money doesn't grow on trees. I heard that growing up. You know, takes money to make money. I heard that growing up. Um, and the list goes on and on. And I know our good friend Garrett, he brought this up to Nate and I one time in a car ride. He goes, what are all the things that you say about money that really aren't true? Because that's, where did that come from? So let's discuss real quick how early life experiences affect someone's financial belief system or our own financial belief system. Yeah. I mean, they, they cause, they can either be a major roadblock or a major stepping stone. So uh, for example, yesterday I was on a conversation with one of my members to where we were about to put in a life insurance policy and it was, I mean, I don't even think it was 10% of their income and going towards premium and they were afraid even after telling me that their income is going to continue to go up afraid of making those payments because and their words were because they remembered the days when they didn't know how they were going to pay their bills or fill up their gas tank and how they would say oh well we can make our grocery payments on sunday or we can go buy groceries on sunday so it doesn't clear by monday and we'll be okay well if when we have traumatic experiences and we don't hit them head on and deal with them, whether that's through therapy or what, however you want to do it, it's going to cause a, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. I don't think sublime or, uh, it is going to cause something in your adult years, looking back at your childhood years, it's going to affect how you handle that money. Right. And then there's other people who, you know, let's say that you grew up and you, your parents were entrepreneurs. Well, you saw that it didn't always take money to make money. It, you saw probably how it takes value creation. And when you show up and you come with ideas and you collaborate with others and you coordinate with others, a lot of things can happen out of that. And so your mindset from seeing that when you were early on is probably more of an optimistic viewpoint on things. Nate, piggyback yeah, off of that. Well, yeah, our experiences definitely shape um, our, our mindset and our worldview. Um, in a previous episode, I shared about how all the losses that I've had in my life, people that were very close to me that I've lost, you know, early in my life. And then, you know, even as recent as my dad passing away, um, that is what helps are, are going through and, and understanding where that scarcity came from is something that really helped me personally um, because that was what we discovered was all the losses had built up this false belief in my head that I was going to lose something else. 
you know, it might be today, it might be next week, it might be whatever. But I was always preparing myself mentally for some kind of a loss. Um, and, you know, you think about it like we're playing a game. We're all playing a game. And some people just want to play the game and some people want to win the game. And our behavior like really dictates our success. Because most people are playing not to lose, which is a poor strategy, you know, that promotes scarcity and abundance is where hope builds and it starts to spill over into other areas of our life. You guys have heard me say this saying many times, but I feel like it's always very relevant uh, to any time you're talking about scarcity and abundance. And I want to make something very clear for me. I'm not going to speak for these two guys, but Nate just kind of alluded to it. Every single day, every single second we're alive on this earth, we have a choice to think abundantly or via scarcity. That is a conscious choice, or I've even noticed if I don't watch it, it becomes a subconscious choice until I bring it into my conscious of how I'm feeding abundance or scarcity. And it really is a choice. And it is a choice that we control and it's no different than strengthening our muscles, strengthening our relationships, strengthening our business partnerships. It takes a conscious effort to feed one or the other. And here's the thing. It's what I've noticed about scarcity. And when I allow scarcity to be fed, it runs away very fast. It gets out of control quickly. But when I feed abundance, it has to be something I have to really work at. I have to be intentional. I have to be focused. I have to prioritize. And that, that's going all the way back to like my sleep habits and my mindset and what I'm reading and who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about. So, Brock, you just alluded to somebody that you worked with yesterday, and we, we see this daily too. There has to come a time where somebody recognizes, whoever we're working with or ourselves, to where we go, okay, I have fed this mindset long enough. Maybe it's some version of scarcity. And now I'm choosing to develop what I call a new neurological pathway that I heard told to me years and years ago that I really liked. And to develop that new neurological pathway, it's going to take work. It's going to take a commitment. So for Brock and Nate and I, we love working with people who go, I haven't figured it out yet. I don't know what I don't know, but I'm willing to do something different than what I've been doing because what I've been doing is not working as well as what I'd like it to do. And now they're off to the races. Katie, bar the doors, I say, because it's unstoppable. So then they, be they become aware that there's other things out there to feed abundance Whereas 80% of the world, if you really just stop and watch, feeds scarcity. Easy. Maybe 90%. So what are some of the financial mindset shifts that have to occur? Or maybe the mindset around education that you guys start seeing that are really positive that could be actionable for anybody listening or watching? Yeah, so the first one would be understanding that money is created through value creation rather than it taking money to make money. The other is protection when it comes to insurance is not a necessary evil, but mm. when you are properly protected to the optimal amounts, you are more productive because you're, you are able to handle whatever comes your way. Your um, headspace is now clear because you know you can handle whatever comes your way. 
I would say those are the first two that really come to my mind. The others would be, hey, if you're going to invest, understand why you're going to invest, why you're going to invest, where you're going to invest, and the rules in which you decide or you make decisions on where and how you invest it. Well, you know, thinking back to what we were talking about earlier with um, how things early on in life can affect, you know, how we view money, how mindset, all those things. When I lost my dad, he had a life insurance policy that was in place that took care of my mom. We didn't have to worry about anything that she was going to have to deal with. Um, we would have been trying to figure out how she was going to drive, how she was going to eat otherwise uh, during that time. That makes it very easy for me when it comes to protecting myself. The, the brutality is that insurance in general is just a, a cost that takes away from you. Um, but the wealth mentality is insurance is a privilege. It's a great financial tool and device that we can use to give us freedom to live, it, not having to worry about. I mean, because when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, it sucked and he was devastated, but he wasn't worried about how my mom was going to survive. That was one less thing that he had to worry about while he was fighting and while he was going through those treatments and everything like that. He wasn't worried about if we were going to make it or not without him. Like he had that peace of mind. Um, but you know, this whole battle of scarcity versus abundance, it, it infiltrates every aspect of, of our lives. You know, there's, there's people who are, who are dealing with scarcity who think about somebody might steal my idea, so I better keep it to myself. You know, whereas abundance is so what, you know, this is going to help. This is going to help people. You know, I don't care if it gets stolen, but a very relevant um, book right now in my life is Gap and Gain which is just another term for scarcity and abundance, really what, what it boils down to. And, uh, Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan and Brandon, I've given you permission to ask me randomly at times, are you in the game? No. Uh, because the gap is focusing on what we don't have. The gain is measuring backwards and saying, look at all the progress I've made. Look at all the good things that have actually occurred. Nate, that's a great, great, great point. So how do we fight against scarcity if we're feeding that? I think you just exhibited a great example. First of all, you have to be willing to admit that it's a problem. And I think you can bring this into Alcohol Anonymous. I was having a conversation with someone who's 41 years sober he still goes to the meetings because of the accountability. Even though he said, I probably would never need a drink again 20 years ago, I want to pour into others so that they can have the ability for me to help them be accountable. So the first thing is, is you got to admit that it's something you want to improve upon. 
if you admit that, then you're off to the races of, okay, now how can I make a conscious effort? Like Nate just mentioned, he's given me permission to say, hey, are you in the gap or are you in the game? Are you thinking abundantly or scarcity? Okay, because what that really is, is some version of emotional intelligence. And a lot of times when intelligence comes out of my mouth, I feel like I'm talking down to people if I don't watch it. I don't know why. It's just my brain and probably because of my background in education. But intelligence emotionally just means you're able to look at something and go, you know what? I don't have that figured out. Actually, I suck at it. I'm not good at it at all. But who around me do I trust enough to help me stay accountable for this area of my life where I don't want to continue repeating the same thing over and over again? So if we circle the wagons around that thought process with money, the first thing we have to really dive into that we get to do daily, which is why we love what we do, is ask the kind of questions that help people recognize where their current mindset is around money and where it came from. If you can dig down deep enough, you reach the foundation of the problem and then you can get all that crud cleaned up and you can start building in a healthy way from there. This works if you're a recovering alcoholic, which I can speak on in some level. It works if your marriage is struggling and you're going to counseling. It works if your partnership and business is struggling and you're trying to get down to the root of why you started it and the foundation and how to get it in a healthy position again. So this is all, here's the thing that is important to remember in all this. And this is a question that I ask of members of ours that I've known for a while. They'll tell me something, I, I, they'll break down what the problem is and what they've been doing. And then I'll ask very genuinely, are you pleased with the results you're getting from the behavior you've been exhibiting for the past six months or a year? And because people trust me in that relationship, because I've known them for a while and they've known me, they're able to say, you know what? No, I'm pretty pissed off with the results I'm getting right now. They're not very good. And I'm frustrated with myself because I know what I should have been doing, but either I didn't have accountability or I didn't have a group of people that I could lean into, or I wasn't expanding my abundance thinking. Or I was watching something on social media that got me sidetracked. Okay. And I started chasing a rabbit and I got so far down the rabbit hole before I knew it. My old school fear of not losing my money led to me spending money thinking I could make it faster so I wouldn't lose it again. And now I'm 20 grand in the hole or 100 grand in the hole. And you go, whoa. So we have to be around people that we're willing to be held accountable by just through conversation and questions. And we also have to realize that social media has some really good perks, but we are very naive if we think it's going to solve our problems. So how have you guys seen that social and we're we're involved in social media. It is a big reason why Nate and I are sitting here. So we realize this is about us, too. But what are some ways that we can really vet social media and maybe how are, how have you guys seen financial trauma come from social media and some tips maybe practically that you would give? Yeah, so I would be asking myself, hey, like, does this person that I'm listening to, do they have the same values as me? And you can you can probably figure that out by just looking at a few other posts on their page. Like, hey, do they think the way that I think? Do they live the life that, you know, if they tell me that if they're out there showboating about how great their life is and I look at it, is that a life that I want to try to grow into? 
Mm-hmm. Um, other things like, hey, is it all about them, or do they share about their family, their friends, and do they pour into them? Do they support causes outside of themselves? You know, when when it comes to you know these TikToks and reels and stuff, where you're getting like a thirty second just snippet of something, you got to ask yourself, okay, well, where are they coming from? Is is this the only piece of advice that they can give? Is this you know is this advice meant towards someone like me, um, like Dave Ramsey? A lot of people are listening to Dave Ramsey, and most of the people that he is speaking to and should only speak to are people who are financially in shambles. They need help, and that's who they should probably go to. Um, I mean, just like this last week. He told people that you know he's got an eight percent withdrawal rate, and you're going to get twelve percent. If you were, if you had a financial license, you would have lost those financial licenses uh, by this time this week, and probably been in jail because that completely <laughs> destroys somebody's financial life. Extremely destroys it. So you need to ask yourself, like, is is this information towards me, and can I apply it? And then take that information and probably go vet it with somebody else who you know knows more about it than you do. Yeah, I'd say... And, and, and pe- if if not, then just unfollow them. A yeah. lot of times we... <laughs> most people follow too many people on social media and they're getting bombarded by all this information from different people. And all the majority of it is misinformation, not only because it's misinformation and it's a lie and they don't know what they're talking about, but because it's mi- misinformation to you because it's not directly towards you and your actual situation of what's going on. You shouldn't make financial decisions that are segmented with different people at different times, different circumstances of your life. You ought to be making them, making calibrated, cohesive decisions with your team where you can see your entire financial life on one page and then continue to move that ball forward with them. So the first thing I think about when it comes to social media, what's really two things. One, and they're kind of tied together. FOMO is rampant on social media. Fear of missing out. And that fear of missing out often comes from the people who are just posting highlights of their life. Uh, you're just getting the, the best of the best that they can put out there. So you see what people are saying. Um, you know, often like on Twitter, X, if somebody's getting a great rate of return in some investment, they'll post a screenshot of that investment and you know the rate of return and the oh look at what I did you know, um, and usually they're selling a course of some kind, so they're trying to to bait people into buying into what they're doing. Um, I've seen those things before. I've seen people who boast of great returns in certain things and they're selling a program of some kind and then people get into the program and then they come to me and they're like, yeah, I got into that and it wasn't what I thought it was. And, you know, I figured, figured out a little while, but I figured out that wasn't, that wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, and so that, that FOMO seeing the highlights, seeing the screenshots, those are definitely red flags. Uh, it's, one of the things that's different about what we do is you're never going to see us post a screenshot of some rate of return ever because it's not about the rate of return. As we were talking about earlier, money's not math. Math is not money. There is so much 
emotion and behavior that goes into creating efficiency, creating certainty and creating control. And you can't screenshot control. You can't screenshot efficiency and certainty. You can't screenshot those things. We don't pay bills with rates of return. We pay bills with money. And one thing that we promote is this idea that we can get constant uninterrupted growth. We can keep pressure on our dollars to grow no matter what, no matter what other markets are doing. And it's because we have this environment of savings that we've created for ourselves. We have this environment that gives us the ability to continue to make investments in other things, but it creates um, this strength in the dollars that are going out into our life now, whether it be expenses that we're just having to pay anyways, um, you know, liabilities, vehicles, things like that, um, or other investments. Either way, keeping pressure on those dollars to grow is extremely important. So this is something that is uh, very popular on social media, um, made pop mostly by Dave Ramsey, saying that infinite banking is a scam, whole life insurance is a scam. Um, but it's because they're trying to compare it to something else that they're already a part of or they know something about with a lack of information. They're taking a little bit of information or they're just taking someone else's misunderstanding of it all together and they're just regurgitating what somebody else said. And that's one, you know, I've told people before, if you believe Dave Ramsey has all the right answers, I feel bad for you because I was there. Like I, I once believed the exact same thing, but then my world just kind of came alive and I'm alive from the book in the corner of my office and this book right here. Uh, it, my mindset switched from this scarcity over to abundance. And it was no longer a question of if I was going to win with money, but it was just a matter of when, W-H-E-N. So it became inevitable in my mind because now I understood the physics money. And that's something that most people don't realize is the physics of money testing out the efficiency and the velocity of what your money is actually doing is really important. And that's not something that people ever get to be a part of in a conversation. So what I've heard you guys say, key points here, going back to the very beginning of the conversation is the best investment we can make is in ourselves. So the first thing is this, whether it's social media or you've been recommended to us or somebody else by a friend the better way to ask, should I do this, is not how much is this going to cost me? Because you don't have to pay anything till you're ready to. It's how much time am I willing to invest in the things that I know matter to me the most? If you don't know what those things are, then you got to start there. If you don't know why those things are the way you feel, then you got to start there. You got to dig deeper. Why do I feel this way about money? Why have I lived a life for 20 years in my adulthood where I make a grand, I spend a grand, I make 10 grand, I spend 10 grand, and I have nothing to show for it other than stuff, maybe. You got to break that down first. So as Nate, Nate alluded to, and we get to do every day, which is so much, it's a lot of fun, 
is we get to help people unearth why they think the way they think and decide if they are pleased with that and the results it's been giving them. Because we work with people way smarter than us. Some of them are killing it. Maybe we can just suggest one tweak by a different question, seeing all their financial physics or better protection through protecting their most valuable asset and their ability to protect their most valuable asset and learn and invest in their most valuable asset themselves. And then they're off to the races because they have action steps, which then allows, and I'm reminded of uh, Nelson Nash's message about the noise and understanding how to decipher the noise. When you know what's going on, it's a lot easier to unfollow that person, that person, that person, and that person, because you, you know the truth. So you don't have to be, you don't have to have your ears tickled anymore hearing something that appeases you temporarily from their highlights of their life because you are at peace with the path you're on because it's all on your drawing board that you see, Nate. You alluded to it as a financial physics. Um, what I notice a lot of times is, did any either one of y'all get to play the game 52 card pickup? Did you have a grandparent or a parent introduce you to that, that game? Yeah, I remember that. All right. So for those of you who don't know what that is, a grandparent or, or a, an older cousin would get hopped up and go, hey, I want to teach you how to play 52-card pickup, 52 cards in a deck. And you'd be like, okay, such a gullible little kid, like watching a 30-second TikTok clip and thinking you're going to become a millionaire tomorrow. All right? And they'd go, okay, you ready? And they'd hold the cards like this, and then they mine. They would pull it together, and then the 52 cards would just go shooting everywhere. And they're like, okay, pick them up. That is what most people are thinking they have to do with money. It's got to go 52 different places to accomplish something. What we get to do that's so much fun is we go, okay, all those 52 cards out there that you've created, let's gather them up. Let's bring them all to one drawing board where we can see all the cards and the pieces and the, the puzzle you put together so far, at least the pieces of the puzzle. And now let's make a puzzle that you're, you're pleased with. That's going to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish. And if you don't like the goals it was accomplishing, Let's figure out how to develop some new ones that are around abundance so that they then can go off with confidence and our coaching to take steps. We call them action steps that allow them to, with certainty and control, guaranteed accomplish what they want to accomplish. And as Brock alluded to very early on in our, our, our recording, the freedom and the peace of mind, and Nate alluded to it also, when you don't have to worry about how money is going to react when you do certain things and you know what's going to happen, like the death benefit from dad's, from Nate's dad passing away and knowing they're hadn't, they didn't have to worry about that. Knowing that if I do this, this is going to occur. It frees you up, as Brock alluded to, to be a better version of yourself. And so that's a conversation that I have often will probably touch on many more times is I will ask somebody, what is your greatest asset? And it's interesting. Most people don't say themselves immediately. They have to kind of get through it. And we finally get to with several questions. Well, it's me because I'm the one that provides. I'm the one that creates an income. I'm the one that values my family never hurting if I die unexpectedly or early or when I live a full life. And I, then you ask the question, is your greatest asset yourself protected like your car is, like your home is, like the other things that matter to you the most? Well, yeah, I got $100,000 in death benefit. Okay, 
but how much income are you going to create over the next 30 years of your life? Is that protected? Well, no. And you, with these questions, you start helping them see that there's a different way to see things than what the world has taught us to see it. And then that starts opening them up to, oh, I can go start being more abundant minded and creative and partnering with people like on those things Brock you alluded to relationship capital, connection capital, mindset capital. How does that all come together to allow us to live an abundant life where we, Nate and I say this all the time, if there's not room at the table and we know it's value creation to add somebody to the table, we're just going to figure out a way to make a bigger table so that that person can pull a chair up because it's value. We didn't say anything about money. It might be that that person is trusted across the entire world at a level that we can't comprehend. And they have the same integrity and values and mindset and characteristics that we want to have. So let's make the table bigger. So in conclusion, a great way to think about this is really abundance or scarcity and a good practical tip. Guys, you add anything after this, if you want to, to, to sum it all up is what is your mindset about money right now? I would challenge somebody to write down on a piece of paper. What is your mindset about money? I feel this way about money. I feel this way about money. What is your behavior around money? I feel like I behave this way with money. And start digging down into that and go, okay, am I pleased with that? Am I really getting what I want out of that? And if I am, let me strengthen and fortify what I'm doing. Is it a feeding abundance or scarcity? And if I'm not, where do I start to start rebuilding from there? What do you guys think? I think you're right on it. Cool. Nate, get anything? Yeah, one last thought. I think that you're and why it's such a struggle between scarcity and abundance is because you're always right. And what I mean by that is, you know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm. And with money, you know, if you think there's money out there, uh, then you're right. If you think there's no money out there, then you're right. And so it takes having someone ask those questions. It's accountability, as you said earlier. And, you know, that's something that we're always going to promote and encourage is accountability, having someone that you can go to and having someone that will ask those questions. I'll finish up with this. We ask this question often. Do you currently have someone advocating for your financial abundant success that you have access to that you know is going to help encourage you to accomplish the things that you know you want to accomplish. Not someone tells you, but that you know, if you don't, I would highly encourage you to start looking. Obviously we think we're a great opportunity for that. You can bet us and th see if you think we're a good fit. Uh, you can email us at cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. And, um, we can get to know each other and you can see that, uh, we live what we teach. We live what we say. So, um, until the next time, uh, be thinking about are you keeping more of what you earn so you can earn more of what you keep and we'll catch you on the next one.